Welcome to the Progress Your Health podcast with your hosts, Dr. Robert Mackey and Dr. Valerie Davidson, a husband and wife team who specialize in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and functional medicine. They're here to help you lose weight, balance hormones, and age gracefully. It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Progress Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. Uh, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. How are you doing on this beautiful, sunny, blue sky day? It is. It's actually, uh, it rained like crazy overnight uh, in Washington. It's pretty common this time of year. Uh, but woke up, yeah, it looks like it's going to be a really nice day today. So um, it'd be nice to be outside, which we'll probably go outside a little bit later. But mm-hmm. yeah, time to get a podcast done. Uh, so uh, why don't we kind of dive into that? We have a a question from Laura. Yes, Laura. So Laura is a reader. So she had read one of our blog posts about progesterone cream versus the oral. So this is her question. Dear Dr. Mackey, I read your article about progesterone cream versus oral format. I have used the cream with some satisfaction, but not 100% happy. My sleep has been my main complaint for the last six to eight months. I'm 44 years old, still menstruating with a lot of menopausal symptoms. Recently, I found a doctor in the Netherlands who did blood tests on me. She put me on oral progesterone and transdermal testosterone. The testosterone seems a little too high, 1%, but overall helped me a lot, four weeks into my treatment. The oral progesterone, on the other hand, is driving me crazy, exclamation mark. So, Shortly after I take it, I feel a bit sleepy and then around 2 a.m. full wide awake. Today, I took it during the day and I still can't fall asleep in the evening. It seems like I'm converting it into cortisol, the progesterone. Any thoughts about what to do? Thanks very much. Uh, Again, uh, you know, she sounds uh, waking up at two o'clock. She sounds like she's uh, a ghost, at least to a certain extent. Right. So uh, we wrote. Uh, actually you wrote an article and we did a podcast about the three different types of adrenal issues. Uh, the, the vampire, the ghost and the zombie, you know, that waking up in the middle of the night. Uh, what are your thoughts? What do you think about, um, you know, the, uh, the progesterone and waking well, up at two if o'clock? We're gonna, if you're going to go there, we have to explain what the, what our vampire and the ghost and the zombie are. So that was a, an article that we, we wrote, um, on adrenal fatigue on the cortisol levels that get secreted out throughout a 24 hour period. Yeah, episode 69. Episode 69. And so with the ghost, as you say, the ghost is the cortisol is bouncing up in the middle of the night when ideally cortisol should be down in the evening. So we sleep all night and then wake up in the morning with the cortisol high in the morning. So we're bright eyed, bushy tailed, but the ghost, the cortisol is coming up in the middle of the night, which is why, you know, Laura's asking is my progesterone converting into cortisol, which is why she's waking up full awake at two in the morning. We also have on that, on that episode 69 is the vampire where their cortisol doesn't come up in the morning. Those are the people that can't wake up in the morning, but they can, but their cortisol comes up in the evening. So they stay up really late at night. And then there's the poor zombie who has very little cortisol throughout the 24 hour period. And they're just literally a zombie 24 seven. Yeah. Right. They, they could sleep all the time. They have no energy. They can't exercise. They, you know, they're, they're, you know, the zombies for sure are struggling a little bit just to do some basic functions. Uh, I think some people might have some of those tendencies, but it's pretty rare to see an actual 
you know, uh, zombie profile. The other two, the, the vampires and the ghosts, those are really common. Uh, those are the ones we see most of the time. And I think with Laura, you know, her de- she's definitely a ghost. She's waking up in the middle of the night and instead of roaming the halls, she's probably roaming her, her smartphone until she can get tired enough to fall back asleep. But definitely with Laura, she's saying that she's 44 years old. She's still menstruating, so she's still getting her period, but she's having a lot of menopausal symptoms. So she definitely sounds like a classic case of actually being you know, I don't, you know, potato, potato, but definitely she's more perimenopause. I wouldn't put her into menopause, but she's definitely that peri, that phase right before the ovaries definitely stop making the hormones. Yeah, right. And she's exhibiting one of those very classic symptoms. They get to their, you know, early to mid forties and all of a sudden, you know, they, uh, they just, uh, at least what they relate to us anyways, or to me, uh, is that they're, you know, they're just having, uh, their bodies just don't cooperate anymore. All of a sudden they can't sleep, they're gaining weight, they're, you know, irritable all the time. You know, these very classic perimenopausal symptoms that show up kind of right around this time in a woman's, uh, in a woman's life. Exactly. And I love that, you know, we're here, you know, in in the United States. So it's nice that having a podcast, having these blogs, having the, you know, the website that people from all over the world can reach out to us. And so this is, um, this is why we were really excited to do this question because she's reaching out from, you know, well outside of our, our domain. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, and I know that we've had some other people reach out from other countries. Uh, and, uh, you know, that is pretty neat. You know, it does make the, the world a smaller place that way. You know, she's in a completely different country, but we're able to, uh, you know, help. And now we're answering her question. Hopefully it'll, you know, give her some guidance and she'll be able to make some better decisions, you know, moving forward. And that's why we really liked Laura's question is because she represents a lot of women. Like we had talked about, she is perimenopause. You know, she's 44 years old. She's still menstruating, but she's having having a lot of symptoms. And one of the main symptoms being in perimenopause is waking up in the middle of the night. I I love that her doctor in the Netherlands did some some type of testing on her hormones because a lot of docs don't do testing on the hormones. In fact, they kind of blow off anything that has to do hormonally because hormones aren't necessarily, you know, quote unquote a disease. So I love that they tested her hormones and then, you know, trying to find an individualized protocol for her. But that's the, that's the fun part in doing bioidentical hormone replacement is it's not like the first try always gets it. You're always sort of evolving or morphing or changing their prescription. So it fits that particular individual. Yeah, right. And that's the challenge both for the practitioner uh, or practitioners, you know, uh, in, in this country and other countries and for the patient uh, is because when you're dealing with some of these hormonal issues, there's not just one pill that's going to solve the problem. Uh, that's where it becomes a big challenge because, uh, and I think like you said, doctors, they don't test the hormones because they're not really sure what to do with it. Uh, and really the only option they have for a woman that's still menstruating is give them birth control pills, uh, you know, or, you know, some other kind of a, you know, a commercially available um, prescription um, but a lot of times it, you know, it's, it's more complicated or it's more convoluted than just, you know, giving them a pill and sending them on their way. That's why women are continuing to look for answers and to find the relief that they want, uh, because it, you know, it's just, it's just not as simple as, you know, take a pill and your all and your, uh, your symptoms are all gone. Oh, exactly. I mean, here in, in Laura's case, you know, one of her main complaints is that she's not getting a good night's sleep. She's waking up after a few hours like our typical ghost. But the last thing she wants to do is get on some prescription medications for sleeping like, you know, Ambien or some of those really hard, even, even just an over-the-counter Unisom or Benadryl ends up being habit forming. It's not great for our memory long-term that those really are just band-aids that I, I love the fact that they're looking into what really is the cause, which is the hormones. Yeah, right. I mean, sleeping, 
sleeping is a completely uh, a hormone related phenomenon, right? It's just something, I don't know if that's the right, you know, Turn. phenomenon yeah. i like it yeah yeah right <laughs> i mean it's just a natural thing right as the sun sets the light the light disappears our you know other sleep related hormones melatonin serotonin all these things go up you know and it's this uh you know process that is innate within human beings at least a light dark cycle that we have we're not necessarily nocturnal unless you're a vampire uh but uh, for something that is so important to us, as time goes on, it becomes harder and harder to be able to get a good night's rest. Uh, and with all of our patients, that's something. And even on this podcast, we talk about these sleep issues a lot because it's the, in some ways, the foundational step. Like it has to be dealt with uh, because you know if it if the sleep is left to be, uh, you know, um, if you're not uh, focusing on the sleep or you're not improving the sleep, then everything else still falls off that, you know, they still keep gaining weight. They're still irritable. They're still tired. Uh, it really just starts to detract from, you know, their quality of life. And if it's left unabated for too long, um, now that can lead like to seriously lead to some age related disease down the road, you know? So even though it doesn't really, you know, perimenopause, like you say all the time, it's this limbo land of hormones that doesn't really get addressed for women, but if you don't do anything about some of these things that are relatively, I wouldn't say simple and minor, but you know, they're, you know, they're just a sign of dysfunction. They're not, you know, full blown disease yet. That's where things get a little gray. No one knows really know how to deal with them collectively. You know, like you say, now, like, like I say, in insomnia, there's a pill for that. Okay, fine. Um, but like you say, there's some side effects that, um, you know, you know, you have to kind of weigh the cost benefit. Is that really worth it or not? Is that the direction that somebody wants to go? Um, you know, a lot of times it's not, especially with the people that are asking these questions, they don't feel comfortable doing those kinds of things. I agree. So I would, you know, I would definitely say for Laura, her question is, she's wondering if that progesterone, the oral capsule progesterone that she's taking is converting into cortisol. And I really don't think that's the case. I do think that her cortisol is spiking in the middle of the night, which is why she's waking up at two in the morning wide awake. But I don't think it's necessarily a byproduct of that oral progesterone. If anything, progesterone does help bring down cortisol levels. Now, like I always say, everyone's unique and different, and there's different experiences and different environmental influences that can happen. But really, I would say probably more so is that she might be on an instant-release progesterone, which is very common. Um, even commercially, it's very common as a bioidentical instant release. So when you take it, it instantly goes into your system. So sure, you're going to get a little sleepy and tired, but because it's so instant, it comes out of your system fairly quickly when you're doing it as an oral form. So it could be by two in the morning, you know, four hours later, five hours later, it's just not in her system anymore. And then her cortisol is bouncing back up. Yeah, right. Sure. It could be related to, like I say, the form of the progesterone, or it could just be the fact that this is how her body's manifesting this transition. Uh, as we've talked about before about perimenopause, as that progesterone is dropping, um, she says she's still menstruating. So we know that there's this, uh, you know, without even doing any blood work, we just know because where she is in her life and the fact that she's still having a regular period that her estrogen um, uh, level is still sufficient for her to still be menstruating. Um, but we can assume that her progesterone levels are, you know, fairly, uh, fairly deficient. Uh, now, when you look at uh, uh, the different sex hormones, uh, they are all, uh, they're all categorized as steroids because they're made from cholesterol. Uh, when you look at the, you know, the cascade of all the different hormones, you have uh, testosterone and estrogen on one side and then progesterone and cortisol on the other. Uh, testosterone and estrogen are very similar in molecular structure 
cortisol and progesterone are very similar in chemical structure. Um, you know, testosterone and estrogen certainly convert back and forth, but when you give a woman progesterone, it's really intended really to give their adrenal glands a break uh, because they have, you know, stress and, you know, just the everyday living type of thing. Um, but it, it, like you say, it's meant to kind of, you know, it's meant to buffer those adrenals as opposed to igniting the adrenals. Exactly. So I, I would say, um, you know, going back to that progesterone is I do like the oral capsules for, you know, for a female in her 40s because it just really helps with the mood and the irritability. It helps with those heavier periods that she might be having every month because of the drop in progesterone. So I do think doing, you know, maybe talking to her practitioner about switching it to a sustained release, you know, a sustained release. And I'll tell women, you know, take don't take the progesterone after dinner or when you're brushing your teeth or getting ready for bed. Take it right before bed, not before you're going to watch TV is if I'm going to go to bed at 10 o'clock and turn off the lights at 10 o'clock, take it at 10 o'clock. That way with that sustained release, it has the longevity to stay in your system all night. And then, you know, by, you know, relaxing the adrenals, keeping that cortisol down. And then in the come morning time, when that cortisol should be coming up, you know, at six in the morning, it's going to bounce back up. That's what I, that's what I would suggest for Laura. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that way you're uh, you know, she's getting the the benefit of that sustained release for the entire night. Uh, now, granted, there's some other supplementation things that can be done. Uh, and honestly, progesterone by itself in a situation like this isn't always going to solve the problem. Usually we have to focus on some lifestyle things. And then, as I mentioned, the supplementation things that, uh, you know, are nice adjuncts to the progesterone. And now, you know, uh, now uh, the uh, the night sleep, waking up at 2 a.m., uh, you know, if she wakes up at 2 a.m., but she's able to just roll back over and, you know, reposition and go back to sleep, I think that's reasonable. Uh, I don't think she says in the question that she's up for how long she's awake well, She for says she's to, full awake. Yeah, yeah. So more than likely, she's probably, you know, 2 in the morning and she's staring at the ceiling. You know, she's probably awake for an hour or, or longer. Mm -hmm. But if she's only awake for a short amount of time, uh, you know, that might be best case scenario. So she gets a nice chunk of sleep, she wakes up, and then she gets another nice chunk of sleep. But the amount of time that she's awake is very short. Okay? Um, I think that, uh, you know, the likelihood of her being able to sleep a full eight hours through, um, you know, for any, anybody that we deal with, I think is in a lot of cases sometimes unrealistic. But if they're able to get a nice big chunk of sleep, wake up, and then another nice big chunk of sleep, preferably with no restroom, uh, you know, need to go to the restroom, but she's just, you know, just like I said, able to reposition that, uh, that's a success. Uh, I think that is, uh, you know, would be her sleep would be much improved if that was the case. You're absolutely right. And you're absolutely right about, you know, like I said, you know, looking into that progesterone as a sustained release instead of instant, but you're so right. You know, granted, this is not medical advice. It's meant for education, la 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 disclaimer, but looking at some other aspects, like you had mentioned the supplementation, there's lots of really nice supplements you can take to help bring down cortisol to stay down without being a sleeping pill. You know, looking at her adrenal glands, like you, Dr. Mackey had mentioned is balancing stress. You know, is she exercising before she goes to bed? Is her blood sugar balanced? Is her blood sugar dropping in the middle of the night, which is causing her cortisol to go up? So there's lots of kind of, you know, it's, you know, it's not like you said, one size fits all or one pill fixes all. It's looking at the whole environment. Yeah, right. And there's a couple things. Like you said, blood sugar is a key thing to make sure that your adrenals are in balance. So more protein, uh, you know, being, uh, 
being selective with your carbohydrates. You don't have to, I don't think you, for most women, I don't think you have to eliminate them. I don't think keto necessarily is always the right answer because uh, keto diets, I think, tend to become low calorie diets, which then puts more stress on the adrenals as well. Uh, you know, so uh, you mentioned exercise. If you're exercising, you know, like what a lot of people do in this country, they exercise after work, uh, you know, so they get done at five, they go to the gym. If they're doing a lot of aggressive cardiovascular work in the evening, that's going to make sleeping a little bit, a little bit more challenging, uh, you know, so. Um, switching around your exercise routine, making sure you're eating enough food, the right types of foods, you know, as far as your macros go, uh, you know, those all can be, you know, part of that, you know, a part of that, uh, you know, uh, landscape that's going to foster some really good sleep during the night. And what's also, you know, not to switch gears here, but um, what's also very common in, you know, bioidentical hormone replacement for females, especially perimenopausal females, is giving testosterone therapy. And you can see that the doc gave her some testosterone. Um, she thought, it may, you know, it might have been a little too high for her. You know, that's an easy adjustment there, but that it helped her a lot. And when you think about testosterone, sure, testosterone for males is a reproductive hormone, but for us females, you know, as females, testosterone is not a reproductive hormone. It's actually what I consider are a little bit more of an adrenal hormone because we make DHEA from our adrenals and then that will convert to testosterone. We make a little testosterone from our ovaries and some other peripheral tissues, but but the DHEA conversion to testosterone from the adrenal glands is a good indicator that if the testosterone helped her, I would say definitely it's not just the reproductive hormones with the estrogen and progesterone that looking at those adrenal hormones. Yeah, right. Yeah, and and starting off like right out the gate with uh with testosterone, um, that's just not something that you and I would typically do. Um, we, uh, but you're right. I think it, it, it adds some credence that you know her adrenals. If she was, if she felt better that way, well, maybe we could do that in a little bit of a less aggressive fashion by using testosterone, but still supporting the adrenals. Uh, so, for example, you know, if you have this kind of diurnal curve to cortisol. So your cortisol is supposed to come up in the morning, as you mentioned. It's supposed to go down at night. So if you do things to support cortisol in the morning then automatically it's going to start to, uh, you know, come down at night. Plus there's some other things you can do to lower cortisol in the evening as well. And now you're able to you know, sleep well. Uh, like I said, she did respond um, well to it. Um, but, you know, you know, who knows? We don't know what the amount was. We don't know what her blood level is. Uh, and the fact that she's still menstruating, she, you know, maybe not really the best, you know, the best time for that might have been more appropriate in a, in a few years. You know, like I said, just finding that right dose that fits for her, because if she does do well on it, it's not causing her acne, it's not causing her hair loss, it's not causing her to feel testy, you know, a testy and irritable, then, you know, it might not be a bad idea. I, I always, you know, we're always a little bit more conservative. We think of kind of like I think of testosterone, like the frosting on the cake, you know, you don't want to, you know, you add that little accolade, the little details, the fun details after you've established a base. But, you know, like she said, it did help her and then maybe dialing it back a little bit and just keep in. And, and the doc does test her blood. It says does some blood testing. So, you know, you can easily test testosterone on a blood test to make sure it's not too high. Right, right, right. Uh, so um, I think that this one is, uh, I think we, I think we did a, uh, an okay job on this one. Do you have anything else to add? No, no, I think I think we did we did a good job. And I, I really appreciate Laura for reaching out and taking the time to read our article and give a question that I think can help a lot of people, uh, you know, reading or listening. So, you know, and especially that, it you know, it comes from people all over the world. I think that's really cool. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for your question, Laura. And until next time, I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. Take care. 
Thank you for listening to the Progress Your Health podcast. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. For more information, visit our website at progressyourhealth.com.